Good morning. Open up with me in your Bibles to Psalm. Psalms in the 40th chapter. Psalm 40 is where we'll be. We are in this sermon series entitled Faithful. He never fails and he will not stop now. It's a sermon series that is really uh, geared towards the encouragement that we have in the Psalms that God is faithful no matter what. Let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you so much that your love never fails. As Madeline prayed this morning, I pray again, let your name be lifted high. Let you be glorified, Lord. And I pray that as we study uh, your word, we pray that your spirit of wisdom will guide and lead our hearts so we can hear your encouragement that's found in your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever heard the most unhelpful advice given? Here it is. Well, just don't worry about it. Maybe you're worried about paying your mortgage. Maybe a friend says to you, well, just stop worrying. It'll only make it worse. Or maybe you're anxious about that, that big test coming up. And your friend says, oh, don't be such a worry wart. And you know, even the Bible says things that are similar to that, that may cause us to wonder, how do you actually turn on and off the switch of worry? Like in Philippians 4, when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Or when Jesus tells us on the Sermon on the Mount, do not be anxious about your life. Or when Jesus tells his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Well, just don't do it. Stop it. Shut off the switch. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just not wired that way. And I don't know anyone who's ever been able to just switch it off. And I want you to listen and read along as we hear the cries of King David in Psalm chapter 40. He says, for my troubles are without number. They surround me, he says. My sins have overtaken me. I can't see. They are more than the hairs on my head, and my heart, it fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. Lord, have you ever said this? Come quickly. Come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put in shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, be appalled by their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted, the Lord be lifted up. And then he closes out his psalm with this. But as for me, I'm poor and I'm needy. 
May the Lord think of me. You're my help and you're my deliverer. You're my God. Do not delay. Well, David, don't be such a worrywart. David, why don't you turn off that stress? Why don't you turn off that anxiety? The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. Why are you saying these things? I read this testimony this week. She says, it was the worst days of my life. The washing machine, it it broke down. The telephone, it never stopped ringing. My head was splitting. The mail carrier brought that bill I had no money to pay, and I was at my breaking point. And I had to feed my kid. So I lifted that child up and set him in the high chair. And I just leaned my head on the tray. And then without a word, my son took out his pacifier and put it in my mouth. (laughs) Why can't we just shut it off? Why can't it be just that simple? Anxiety, it's real right? I mean, there are 40 million people in the United States who experience some type of anxiety disorder. According to WHO, the WHO, 322 million people in the world live with depression. Millions of people are struggling with stress and anxiety, and I don't think uh, just feel better, just stop worrying, or even a pacifier is going to distract us and make any real changes. But it was Solomon who said in his wisdom, in Proverbs chapter 12, that anxiety, it weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I'm not going to say that this morning we're going to cure all stress. But I am going to say that the psalmist gives us a word from the Lord to help cheer us up in the times that we do face some stress. We started in the middle of the passage because the psalmist has uh, set this psalm up to start with some of the truth that we find in Scripture. And then he breaks into his petition to God. And so if you'll just flip over to Psalm 40 and verse 1 through 2, you'll see that he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, he heard my cry, and he lifted me up out of that slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. Psalmist is thinking back. He's thinking back about the times when he did cry out to God. And he says that God turned and he heard. God lifted and he set. Let me encourage you this morning that when you face stress, to go to God in prayer 
And maybe not even prayer alone, but also crying out to God. Because that's a theme in the Bible. Crying out to God is a theme in the Bible. It was Israel who cried out in slavery and suffering under Egypt. And it was God who answered their prayers. He turned, he heard, he lifted, and he set. And Moses was sent to deliver them from the hands of Pharaoh. Under the judges, we see so many times Israel crying out to God and God hearing. He turned, he heard, he lifted them up, and he set them down through the power of the judges. Throughout the Psalms, the psalmists cry out to God and are saved. And in the New Testament, we can even see Jesus, the Son of God in the Mount of Olives, Crying out, being heard. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But he goes on. And he says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, crying out. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. God will turn, he will hear, and he will lift you up, and he will set you on a rock. So the psalmist uh, starts by crying out to God, but David also places this trust in the one who is able. Read verses 4 and 5 with me. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you've planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell them, there'd be too many to declare. God places his trust alone in, or David places his trust alone in God. He doesn't trust the proud. He doesn't trust false gods. He trusts the one who has done many wonders. There are too many wonders, he says, to even count. And this is important because as we read earlier, the troubles and sins that surround David are too many to count. Do you see the connection the psalmist makes there? The wonders of God are too many to count. The troubles and sins are too many to count. For every sin or trouble you face, God has done something awesome. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, and I'm going to read this whole passage. He says, therefore I tell you to not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. And this is why. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Jesus says, look to the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father, he cares for them. He feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers of the field. They grow. They don't labor. They don't spin. 
And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Is that, that is how God clothes the grass of the field that's here today and gone tomorrow. Will he not much more clothe you, you little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I know I touched on this last week, but when we think about the wonders of God in our minds... A lot of times we go to some of the greatest miracles in the Bible, right? We think about Jonah being swallowed by a giant whale. We think about God parting the Red Sea for the Israelites. We think about Jesus being raised from the dead. But what about the little miracles that happen all around us? What about the birds in the air who are fed or the flowers in the field that are clothed, they're taken care of. My dog, Remy, is currently shedding his winter coat, and I brushed what seems like 10 pounds of hair off of him. See, even my dog is cared for by God. So we can see the psalmist offers this encouragement, a reminder that we can turn to God, he's going to hear us, a reminder that we can turn to God because we can trust him. But we also see here in Psalm 40 that David proclaims the encouragement of salvation to the church. Verse 10. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart, I speak of your faithfulness and your salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. He shares this. David, we read here, talks about how God has redeemed his life. With the mantra, this world is not my home, it's so very true but we're also reminded that we get to be part of God's redemptive work in this fallen world. God has saved my life. He's saved me from the many surrounding sins, the sin that surrounds me, and he's going to come back one day for me. Remember, this promise is not for you alone, but also for your neighbor. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in, my, in me, my Father's house. I have many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be where I am also. God gives us this hope and this promise of salvation. This promise that though troubles surround us, though sin surround us, we are saved by his grace. And because we are saved by his grace, we can share that wonderful redemptive word into this 
broken and fallen world. I love the song, the hymn, by Fanny Crosby, who published these words in 1869. Near the cross, I'll watch and I'll wait, hoping, trusting ever, until I reach that golden strand just beyond the river. This promise is the encouragement to you that though trouble and though sin may surround you, we are reminded that God's redemptive work is active here in this world. And we get to be part of that. No matter if trouble is surrounding us or not, we still get to be part of the truth of the gospel. We get to share that gospel, and we get to experience that gospel. God hears your cry. God is able And we have this promise that God will return and he's going to make it all right. And that promise, my friends, is sealed in blood. It's sealed in a body that was broken. It's sealed in a blood that was shed. It's sealed because of Jesus Christ. This morning we celebrate this promise and as we eat And drink, we celebrate a God who cares very deeply for you. Is stress going to turn off like that? No. But pausing to remember the truth of Scripture, that God is able, that God hears, and God will make it all right, will grant us some hope as we face this difficult world. My prayer is that as you face stress and anxiety, that you will turn to God and be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, as we ponder the many, many wonders, we are reminded that you are, in fact, able. As we think about the folks who have cried out to you in the past, we are reminded that you hear. And today we're reminded because of your resurrection that you're seated at the right hand of God and that you're coming back for us. Be with us this week and help us to be encouraged even while trouble surrounds us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.